Hello and welcome to Marathon Swim Stories, where we explore the human side of the superhuman feats of endurance swimmers and those who support them. I'm marathon swimmer and coach Shannon Keegan. In today's episode, Marty McMahon recounts his 36-year history of marathon swimming, including all of the things that can go wrong and have for him. While Marty jokes that his life peaked in 1985 when his 22-year-old self received a hero's welcome home after completing the English Channel, I think there's a lot more in store for Marty. I hope you enjoy this episode. Tell me your story, Marty. So it's funny, um, I was thinking about where to start, and I'm going to start kind of in the middle and then go back. (laughs) Sure. Um, so I'm in England, it's uh, 1985, and I'm invited to a garden party, a very British garden party. I think it, they did it annually at the time at Ray and Audrey Scott's house. And uh, so all the dignitaries are there. And um, I end up in a small circle with, with some real veterans, including um, Michael Reed. And Michael Reed's like, so you're here from the channel. I'm like, yes. And he goes, uh, so what swims... Uh, what other swims have you done? And I, you know, I said, excuse me. And he goes, well, you know, like, what else have you done? I'm like, what do you mean? And he goes, well, have you swum around Manhattan? I like, no. He <laughs> goes, um, have you done uh, Boston Light? And I said, no. <laughs> and he said, how about Chesapeake Bay? And I said, no. And he goes, well, what swims have you done? And um, I showed up in England and I'd never swum an open water swim, not even <laughs> a one miler. Now, when I say that, I mean, I trained, but I had never done an organized open water swim. So my first organized open water swim was English Channel. Um, and it was what year again? Remind me. 1985. 85. Okay. So then to go kind of back, I, you know, I was a swimmer as a kid, uh, swam in high school. And, um, you know, I planned on swimming in college. And uh, I don't know, I'm going to bring up something that's kind of odd or interesting, but it's, it is a motivator. So I'm going into my um, last swim meet as an 18 year old, you know, the state championships. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was pretty much in the final heat of almost every event I'd ever would do, but um, I'd never won like a state championship and it was a hundred fly. And I, I got touched out at the end. Now this is where I'm going to kind of bear my soul a little bit. I actually was out till two 30 in the morning drinking the night before as an 18 year old high school kid. Um, and so I always kind of, you know, I, I kind of regretted that. I believe I could have won that race if I hadn't done that. So then I, I, I picked my colleges based on, you know, having a swim team. I get to Villanova where I ended up going. It's the first day of uh, school and I get my schedule and I go down to meet the coach who I've never talked to or met. And I uh, explained to him that on Thursdays, I'm not gonna be able to make practice because I'm a physics major and uh, we have a lab. And it wasn't a good meeting. He basically told me I had to switch majors. I, you know, he, he was kind of not a friendly guy. So I, I walked away kind of unhappy. And that night I went just to swim laps at their pool and uh, ended up swimming with a guy who ended up being my best college friend and roommate who was also there to swim for Villanova. And uh, I had also had a bad experience talking to the coach. And all of a sudden the captain of the water polo team came up and talked to us while we were swimming that night. And we both decided not to swim, which is just insane because <laughs> it's the whole reason I went to went to the school. Mm-hmm. So I played I played water polo at Nova Division One, so that was fun. Um, so then here's the second part. Well, actually, I want to say that um, it's junior year, spring of junior year, and I meet Tom Popdan, who is a recent Villanova grad who just swam the channel. Him mm-hmm. and another another guy named Rob, I can't say his last name, K, had done it right after graduating. Okay. And I looked at this Tom and he, we were like almost identical in physique. And I'm like, well, if he could do it, I could do it. Went home that spring, mentioned to my family, I, it's something I'd like to put on my bucket list. So then as that semester came to a close my junior year, um, you know, at Villanova, water polo was first, fraternity was second and studies were third. I, um, and drinking was involved with water polo and fraternity. Uh, I became academically ineligible to swim, to play water polo my senior year. Oh, no. Which was, you know, real ego kind of embarrassing kind of situation. So I showed up at Thanksgiving, my senior year on Thanksgiving break and told my mother I wanted to swim the English Channel that next summer. And so that's where I focused my energies 
What did what was the response from your family when you said um, you wanted to swim the English Channel? I uh, I don't go you know too much into it, but my mom was widowed at forty nine with six kids, and she was just okay. a really tough lady and and very adventurous. So when I said that, she was like, "What do we need to do?" I mean, wow. she was like, she became my manager. She started reaching out to the Channel Swimming Association, and and I spent my senior year studying harder, <laughs> and um and swimming a lot. Yeah. Wow. So I swam through senior year, swam you know the next summer, getting ready to go to England. Um, Not so open I, water though, just in the pool. Mostly in the pool, but then when the summer came, um, Hammond Asset is uh you know the Connecticut Shore. I swam a lot there, and I swam the Rhode Island Shore, but there was no nobody else who had. I knew that had done it. I ended up having lunch with a Maura Fitzpatrick, I think her name is. She had gone to Smith College and she had done it. So I went up to Smith, met with her and her coach, got some feedback. And here's how, how weird it was back then, you know, pre-internet. <laughs> so I would send, I put $20 bill in an envelope and I send it to Penny Lee Dean in California, who then sent you back a 15 page mimeographed, you know, stapled piece of paper with how to swim the English channel. And that was, that was my guide. Um, and then all the interaction with the CSA was all through, you know, snail mail. Um, it was crazy. Um, so I got to England and, um, you know, I have the same kind of story as a lot of folks, although I got there and I was so naive that, um, I, I knew that you swam at Shakespeare beach. So my first three days there, I was training at Shakespeare beach and, there was people fishing off the shore. So I went way the heck out to avoid the fishermen. And then like the third night there, it's kind of funny because you had her the other day. Um, I went to a restaurant with my family and I met Susan Hine Bowen, mm-hmm. who uh, I don't know how we made the connection. We're swimmers. And we just looked like American swimmers, but, uh, <laughs> and I just said something about what I was doing. And she's like, Oh my God, are you crazy? You know, everybody's training in the Harbor. And he, so here I was by myself for three days. I go in the Harbor and it's like a party. Um, there was a Japanese relay team. There was, uh, yeah, there was a lot of folks. There were people were actually doing sets in the Harbor and so had a grand old time, you know, with them. And someone explained to me that I was really lucky because the Shakespeare beach, if I was out as far as I was, I could have literally been swept by the the current and been gone. Um, so I was in England for, you know, again, I, you know, and I don't hold it against them totally, but, uh, I had one bad day, meaning, weather-wise so I couldn't do it and then the next day that I should have done it I had Mike Orm as my pilot um I just lost his name the the uh, Australian triple crown or triple length swimmer um who runs uh runs the New Zealand swim he uh he he uh, he bumped me because he was going for a triple oh, okay <laughs> um, so I was in England for 18 days before I got a chance to swim. Oh, wow. Yeah. My whole family was there. Five siblings and my mom, they all had wow. to go home. Oh my gosh. Uh, so I had no crew. Uh, so Ray, Ray Scott, who's the grandson of Audrey Scott happened to be come in from Maryland and he was my crew. Um, you know, as far as the channel swim itself, I mean, it's just high points. Uh, and I like to, I was thinking about this talk and, you know, Things that could go wrong is kind of a theme with me, I think. Um, had a good first, first part of the swim, swam for um, four hours. You know, Mike used to have it that you swim for two hours to competing and then every hour after that. And it was literally oh, lemon and dextrose in a styrofoam cup. He'd hand it down to you. The environment be damned. You drank the thing and you threw it over your shoulder and kept going. You know, wow. those days are gone. <laughs> Thank goodness. And so... Um, at hour four, um, he was giving my feeding and he literally said to me, why didn't you tell me you were such a fast swimmer? And the oh. thing is, I didn't know I was a fast swimmer. I'd really never done one of these before. So I was, I was more than halfway across in four hours. I was on a really good pace. Wow. But, the, but then weather came in um, really bad, uh, force five winds, you know, six to 10 foot swells. So I guess my, my kind of funniest story is um, in that swim is at the, t- and he, hard, he, he supposedly doesn't remember this, but it's in my channel observer notes, Mike Orm, that's climbed over the railing of his boat. He's um, got his cup to hand me the boats tossing back and forth. And sure enough, my uh, 10 foot railing of the boat snaps off. And Mike Orm, the pilot falls into the water oh, with wow. my, with my feet <laughs> in a styrofoam cup. And, you know, again, I must have been doing okay because I literally, he didn't spill a drop of it. 
and wow. he hands it to me, and I'm like, "Mike, you didn't have to come in, you know, <laughs> I was okay." Um, and so, you know how um, you're told not to look at the French coast because it's an optical illusion. The you know, you'll Always swim is. for yeah. three hours and feel like you got nowhere. So I had not looked at all. So it's now at hour ten, and he's getting up on the boat. So I was like, for 15 minutes, I just had to tread water while he got settled. And they pulled the railing back on the boat, and he said, um, he looked at me. He goes, "You can look now," because he knew I wasn't looking. And actually, it was a mistake. Oh, no. Because I looked and Kate Grenet was right there. I'm, I'm like, I got 15 more minutes and I'm done. Yeah. And, you know, an hour and 15 minutes later, I, I came up onto the shores of Wasan. So like a lot wow. of people, I missed the Cape and, and ended up on, on Wasan. So how did that feel after putting, what was it, about a year and a half, two years? And into- it felt, it was great. I mean, the, the moon was uh, really low over the French coast. So I literally swam in on a moonbeam. Um, he, he warned me to, um, that it was going to be cold outside and to don't stay out of the water long. You know, it's like, what are you talking about? I just swam across this channel. I'm going to celebrate. And I remember I climbed out of the water and I kind of literally went like this and every muscle in my body just cramped up. <laughs> um, so I grabbed about 10 stones from the beach, shoved them up in my suit and swam back. But, uh, but yeah, for a 22 year old, it was so new that, um, I flew into Logan airport and the local CBS affiliate in Hartford, Connecticut flew a helicopter out, picked me up at Logan, flew me to my high school football field where the whole town was there. And it was Martin McMahon day in Windsor. <laughs> wow. and, uh, yeah. So it was pretty heady stuff for 20 year old. I always say my life crested at 22 you know, <laughs> been downhill ever since. <laughs> um, so then after that, um, I swam now. I swam some of those smaller swims I had never done. And then when I was uh, four years later, I swam around Manhattan. So story number two of things that can go wrong. Um, It was a a year where they had 40, about 39 swimmers. Um, 15 of them were from King's Academy. I think it is. It's like a military school. And so the boaters were, you know, kind of, um, hinky as far as where they got all their boaters. So my, my wife, a sister and a friend are on the boat and I'm now swim around most of the Island. I'm in the Hudson and I'm coming down the Hudson. My two pilots have been drinking beers the whole time. And a part of their deal is I think they made like 300 bucks, but and free gas. Well, they wanted to get going right after the swim. So they basically said, we're going to go get our gas now. And they left me in the middle of the Hudson river swimming by myself. Oh my gosh. <laughs> which my wife was not happy about. And, um, and the weird thing is you guys gotta understand is that mentally I was okay with it. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, like I'm okay. swimming and I'm all right. I don't need anybody. <laughs> um, and so, but it took a while for them to come back like over an hour by the time they found me, but this is when they found me. So I'm swimming down by the, the boat launches down by the intrepid and um, the Bermuda star ocean liner starts to pull out of its berth. And it's not stopping for anybody. And so I'm within 50 feet of an ocean liner with the current about to slam me into the side of it. And the, the race director's boat comes flying up. It's like a 40 foot boat and they're screaming at me. I either got to get out like onto the boat or I could turn around and sprint up the Hudson as hard as I can to avoid this ocean liner. So that's what I do. I, you know, I swim for 15, 20 minutes as hard as I can in the wrong direction which pissed me off because I had been holding off. Th- I mean, it is kind of a race. It's not a race and it is a race. Yeah. And I've been holding off three swimmers for, you know, seven and a half hours. And now I just sprinted back to them. <laughs> and yeah. then the ocean liner gets out of our way and they just cruise by me and I'm exhausted. But, no. uh, but I swear, I, I, I love that swim. I know you asked the question about like favorite swims. I mean, to me, the English channel is the most iconic one. So that's gotta be my favorite, but or at least uh, most proud of, but swimming around Manhattan, especially for someone that breathes to their left, it's just a fantastic swim because you have all the sites, you know, you swim best, you know, at the time, the, the uh, Twin Towers, Empire State Building, the UN, on and on, all around the island. So there's so much to see. Mm-hmm. And then my third kind of uh, what can go wrong story is <laughs> a swim that you're familiar with is why well, I did the Border Buster a um, couple of years well, That was ago. more recently. Yeah, right before COVID. And um and my wife was going to be my kayaker. And so I came up with this great idea to put a milk carton on the front of my kayak and have all my feeds in that. Well, I'm not an engineer, but I forgot about center of gravity. So I put all this weight really high on the kayak 
And, um, you know, and they told you about how you couldn't land in France because you know, you'd have to have your passport or all that stuff. So my wife and I, she's been on my boat for a few of these swims, you know, we have a good routine. So when she would feed me, I would take the feed and I'd start swimming again. And she'd write some notes about my stroke count and her little pad. And then she would, um, you know, take her own feed or whatever. And I'd expect about five minutes after a feed, I'd see her kind of come back up next to me and we'd continue on. So we're about, we're on the Canadian side. We're a good ways in about halfway in before you kind of make the turn to come around. Mm-hmm. And I could see a buoy out in the distance I'm shooting for. And uh, all of a sudden, like five, 10 minutes have gone by and I'm like, she's not coming up on my side and I'm kind of what's going on. So for a, you know, for a really scary moment, I turn around and look for her and I can't find her. And I do a full 360 and my wife is nowhere to be seen. I'm like, what the, what's going on? Oh, like monster um, got her. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, you know, had gotten pretty choppy and windy and um, the, the, with the um, weight being distributed wrong, she, she flipped over the oh, kayak. Oh, and because just with the waves, the reason I couldn't see her is just she was so low to the water and right. you know, hundreds of yards behind me. And you've been to the swim. So they, you know, she, she had a working, uh, no, she had a flag and a, um, you know, one of those horns. Air horn, yeah. And uh, another, she couldn't get either to work, but another kayaker <laughs> saw her and they called. So what, the other part, like, what could go wrong? So they got her, they put her on the pontoon boat. They um, right-sized, they got all the water out of her kayak. They took my superstructure off of it. <laughs> she had saved most of my feeds, luckily. But the problem is she lost our brand new you know, $150 paddle. And oh, no. um, so the only thing they had on the pontoon boat was literally this like dinghy paddle. It was like this like three-foot wooden paddle. <laughs> they gave her that, and they said they were going to try to get a paddle out to her. So for the next hour, my, my, it was like Hawaii 5.0, you know, the, the introduction <laughs> Because I'm swimming and my wife's had this little paddle and she's doing a flying five O thing on her kayak, like working so much harder than me. I'm like, oh my God, you know, she's she's killing herself. Um, I guess one of the good things about it, to be quite honest, is I ended up while while I was waiting, they said you could go ahead with another swimmer. Mm. So I hooked up with this other swimmer who was slower than me, but he had passed me because of this weight. Mm-hmm. And uh, because I swam with him for a better part of an hour, he told me after the swim that. He, and his brother was his kayaker said he was going to quit because mentally he, he was in oh, a bad place. Right. Yeah. Just the fact that I swam with him for an hour was that kind of companion thing that got yeah. him going again. And then nice. the last part of that, I guess it's just funny is I, you know, how I've ever had this video, you pull into the finish and this was, you know, it was a race and it's not a race again. So <laughs> I swim up and I'm in, you know, waist deep water and I just want to kind of kneel for a minute, get my bearings, you know, and my wife is like, like cramping up, dying in the kayak all of a sudden she just goes, will you finish? <laughs> I can't get out of the water till you're done. You know? <laughs> so I'm like, okay, I'll climb out. Um, yeah. So I've had some, had some, some neat experiences in this. So. Yeah. So tell me the difference between um, tr- like maybe training wise between English channel and then Manhattan a few years later. So um, Manhattan, I think I knew a little bit more about what I needed to do, but then both of them, I, I feel I trained, you know, sufficiently, um, but again, I was a lone swimmer at that time for both of those swims. I did all mm-hmm. my training myself. I didn't know almost anybody that had done any of this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Marcy McDonald in 1990. So, um, you know, I talked about having lunch with the folks at um, the girls from Smith um, in 1992, Marcy McDonald called me up and had lunch with me and picked my brain about what it was like to swim the channel. And then she went and did it. But now you may or may not be familiar, but it, like in 2000, Sports Illustrated had Connecticut as the English Channel Swimming Capital of the World. And it really was because of Marcy and Liz Fry, because um, they just have the personalities that if you have even an inkling that you can do this, they can size you up and go, yeah, you can do this. And uh, Hammond State Park in Connecticut's a two mile long stretch of beach that, you know, on every Sunday, Saturday and Sunday, you can do a four mile loop with Right now, literally, you can go down there and you can be one on a particular day swimming with eight English Channel swimmers. You know, so wow. if you're someone that's aspiring, it's pretty, pretty cool. Pretty Jim Bayless, and George Hunahan, and there's a bunch of us. So, um, but yeah, Manhattan was was a cool swim. I would highly suggest that, and I would highly suggest doing that before you go do the channel. Like, <laughs> I heard right. Lori, I heard Lori King's uh, presentation, and she's she's really the way you should do this and keep expanding the distances until you build up. Yeah. So what happened between Manhattan and the uh, border buster a couple of years ago? <laughs> so, um, 
you know, I, he's a wonderful, wonderful kid. I have a, um, a son who's got Asperger's, you know, it's like a high form of autism. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and he, he was, uh, between him and his sister, you know, um, life was busy for, for yeah. 20 years. Um, he does, he's doing great. He's working on masters at Simmons, but he still lives with us. And so, uh, you know, for 20 years I had to focus on family. So I, you know, every once I did Chesapeake Bay a bunch of times, I would do smaller swims, did mm -hmm. a bunch of like did a couple of marathons and did some running. Cause that's just easier as you know, you don't have to get to a pool and all that. Right. Um, and then I start um, for, around 46, I think I started kind of getting excited again. Uh, Liz Fry wanted me to do, which I did uh, the swimmer across the sound, oh, great. Um, which is a great, you know, 16 mile swim. And uh, that kind of got me going again. And then I discovered the Northwest kingdom. And uh, so I'm scheduled to do in search of Memphrey. It should have been this year, but, um, but uh, you know, with COVID that got pushed off a year. Right. And I guess the other weird thing. Oh, so in 2012, I had a, a failed attempt at Catalina. Oh, Okay. A couple things. Um, one, I learned don't eat chicken marsala at seven o'clock the night of the swim um, <laughs> and then take a really nasty boat ride over to Catalina. The whole crew was seasick, including the observer who had never been seasick and had done like 50 of these. Oh, wow. Um, so I climbed into water seasick and I just never got better. I swam for three and a half hours. Couldn't keep any feeds down, cramped up brutally and called it a day. Um, so I'm going back. I was supposed to go possibly go back last year, but um I'm going, I have a scheduled date, COVID, you know, if COVID lets me in August of this year. And uh, I don't call this a record. I call it a factoid. Um, <laughs> if, if I'm successful this summer, I'll break the quote, unquote, air quotes record of the longest time it ever took someone to do the Triple Crown. And it's kind of funny because uh, the record's held by uh, Kevin Murphy, and then recently tied by uh, Susan Heim Bowen last summer. Mm -hmm. She did her channel swim the same year I did. Yeah. Uh, so, that, so that's kind of fun. And I don't know if yeah. Susan would, app would appreciate this, but yeah. You know, and I don't even know what the record is, but I know there's people that do the triple crown, like on one season and people yeah. are trying to do it in the shortest period of time. And I'm like, you know, what's the big deal about that? You got in shape once and then you just stayed in shape for three months. I mean, exactly. tr try to do this for 36 years. <laughs> right. <laughs> Right. And John and John will tell you it's getting harder and harder. <laughs> now I do a training swim now and I have to come and take a nap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I was just trying to think the question flooded through my mind and disappeared, but um uh the so tell me a little bit more about um you talked a few things so you talked a little bit about cramping and i've heard that like commonly and especially in maybe i want to say men maybe more than women what what do you do to help alleviate or um, work through cramping I don't know, you know i don't know if i have that skill yet it scares me um because that was the first time it really ever happened to me at that level i now actually i mean i cramped on the border buster because <laughs> Uh, just again with that whole scenario with my wife getting capsized she, we basically ran out of like fluids and and feeds um yeah. with a couple hours left she literally i remember handing me one feed and i started to guzzle it down she goes no 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 <laughs> Last one. drink half of that and then i <laughs> and then at like hour like it took nine and a half it would have probably taken closer to eight and a half all this hadn't happened but uh you know at like an hour eight or eight and a half um she offered me chicken <laughs> want some chicken? Cause that's all she had left on the boat. You know? <laughs> um, but so I think it's just, um, you know, trying to stay hydrated, you know, and I, hindsight's 2020, 20, you know, I've kicked around my Catalina swim and with my wife, um, you know, whether I should have called it or not, she really almost doesn't think I should have called it. She thinks I should have shortened my feeds and kept at it. And, you know, I've talked to Ned Dennison about it and I probably should have. So, you know, if it was to happen again, it's like, take your swim in 15 minute increments. Yeah. You breaststroke. I mean, do whatever you need to do to your body will usually right, you know, right size itself again or whatever it'll, it'll write itself. But uh, so yeah. I, I didn't have the mental readiness to handle that at the time. And I think I do now. Yeah. 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 There's something to that too. You know, I, you know, I know Ned swum with, with wicked cramps. One of my favorite things is hearing um, was when Liz Fry couldn't keep her feet down. She says, you know, a lot of people go eight hours without drinking or eating. So why can't you do eight hours of a swim without eating or drinking? Um, you know, it's a fascinating thought, but yeah, exactly. it doesn't happen to me. But Right. Yeah. No, but it time. is amazing what people do when they, when they 
put their mind to it. Right. I, I was on Elaine's boat when she did Tahoe in 2016 and she couldn't keep anything down till like we were almost like mile or two from the finish. And it was really interesting to just, you know, she'd try to do water or whatever, but it was right. just interesting to, it, like to actually witness that as being a person on the boat. It was a good experience for me to know <laughs> like, yeah, right. like right. feeding is not optional, but <laughs> it's, it's ideal. How about that? Yeah. I'm looking forward to going back to Catalina because I did experience the photo. How do you say it? Photo. Oh, the, um, oh, shoot. the algae. Yeah. The algae. yeah. <laughs> and it wasn't what I expected. I thought it was going to be like this green luminous stuff, but no, it's like sparklers coming yeah, off. Yeah. It's super sparkly. Yeah. And, oh, I, lo- I mean, I loved it. I can't wait to try. Hopefully it'll happen again. Yeah. 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 That's, that'll be fun. So this year you're hoping for the search in what month no so no search will be next year I put, oh 22 I, I, i'm okay. kind of a one one big swimmer a year so yeah catalina's uh, in august and i'm booked to go hopefully to cork distance week you know for two weeks of july i did that two summers ago and that was wonderful and as far as getting you mentally prepared i mean the first day you're swimming two two-hour sessions that so I'm, i was doing eight miles a day that's funny too i get to there and um you know it's a two hours in the morning two hours at night i could swim two miles an hour so I did four miles in the morning, four miles a night for the first three days. And I was watching a lot of the vets and they were kind of knocking off after a lap or two. And, you know, cause it's a mile a lap. And then I found out because, you know, they do this, um, you know, nine mile champion of champions type race on like the third or fourth day. And they were all sandbagging waiting for that. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I just looked at it like um, all of it, including that nine mile day was just training, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. But I'm looking yeah. forward to that. Hopefully if COVID will let us, let us travel. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I've heard just such great things about Cork Distance Week. It seems like such an amazing opportunity. This is such a funny sport, too, because um, at my local Y, just last week, a lifeguard says to me, hey, you know, in the afternoon, there's a guy here training for Manhattan. I go, really? You know, because, again, you don't find these people around. So I reached out through the Y to find the guy. And it turns out this guy named Michael Mayer who swam the channel three times and around <laughs> Manhattan once and we're in the same Y and we don't even know it. That's amazing. And he's, and he's um, kind of a, a, a maniac in, as far as uh, his work ethic. Mm. And so on last Friday, I'd been, you know, because of COVID, I've been up to maybe 4,500 yards is the most I had done. And he's like, um, he got a 7,000 straight in like going all out. So on wow. Friday, that's I did that with him. I almost killed myself because <laughs> I hadn't done that yet, but yeah. Yeah. So it's great. It's a great sport. Great community. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. You got to talk to those lifeguards, see who else is <laughs> might be at your pool. <laughs> right. Right. And yeah. You know, and then the, you know, I'm always, I'm always fascinated, you know, I'm, again, I'm usually kind of top third as far as speed. I am like blown away by the people that aren't fast and do these swims and are in the water for just hours and hours and hours. You know, uh, I think it was Bill Rogers who talked about the fact that the famous runner that, you know, he couldn't fathom doing a five hour marathon. He, he's like, I couldn't fathom running for five hours. And I look at the people that do these channels and take 15, 16, 18 hours. And I just give them kudos to be able to just stay at it that long. Yeah. There's a different level of love of that. I, I think that's what I'm kind of realizing the more, more I talk to people is like that. Yeah. There's the people that just want to get it done as fast as they can and they're training as hard as they can. And then there's the people that are, they're in it just for the experience and they're going to savor every bit of it. And it is hugely admirable. Very cool. Um, What about like your technique? Has anything changed in the, how many years are we talking here since 85 (laughs) in your technique? (laughs) Um, Well, it's gotten a little better recently. I think I actually got water polo stroke for a while there with the uh, spacing out. And um, (laughs) yeah, I I did a a little bit of like the total immersion, you know, trying to really, you know, lengthen my stroke and pause it more Mm -hmm. and not be just, you know, grinding through. Uh, I have a really slow stroke count. I've always fascinated by, especially Australians. I always seem to have like 75 strokes per minute. And, you know, I'm I'm when I did the channel, my high was 62 and my low was 58, you know, so I'm not, I'm not moving that fast, but you know, I have a decent amount of pull. I don't kick at all. Um, on the long swims, uh, yeah. it's kind of have this philosophy that, you know, that's not very, kicking is not efficient. So why do it? Yeah. Um, so probably, it's exhausting. <laughs> yeah, I, have a, I have a light to be kick and you know, I watched uh, a video of, um, uh, Susan Knight swimming across, uh, the North channel and she's got like a six beat kick. And I was like, Oh my God, 
did you do that the whole time? And she's like, yeah, that's my stroke. I, I can't fathom that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I know. Really, this year also I'm working on, um, this is almost a laziness over a bunch of years. I want to build a bilateral breathe again. Yeah. Um, and I, so I've just been breathing to one side and I have to go see a chiropractor because sometimes I can't turn my head to one side. <laughs> yeah. So I've, so I've really worked on the bilateral and I think that can help actually during tough situations. Like if there's wind and they want to put you on the yes. other side of your kayak, yes. all of a sudden you got to breathe to the wrong side. So I've been really working at it. You know, that's recently. a good, good, good idea for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, in the winter I mostly do it, you know, doing a lot of sets in the pool, but now right around now I knew I had to start just putting my head down and mentally start swimming long periods without picking my head up. Cause I know I'll get to the lake for the first time and I want to pick up my head every 200 yards because <laughs> right, I've been doing right. all winter, yeah. you know? So it's kind of like re, re, uh, establishing the fact you got to keep your head down and just go. Yeah. Just keep yeah. going. Yeah. That's good. And I, you know, and I've read a little bit of your original blog and, you know, being older and I kind of agree with you. Um, I don't feel like I have to do 7,000 yards a day like that. Mike guy, Mike, um, 5,000 kind of is what I'll be shooting for. Um, and then a day. <laughs> yeah, I do. I do 5,000. Um, and then I'll, I'll do a one long swim a week. I do subscribe yeah. to that. Just that. And I call it LSD long, slow distance. I don't care how yeah. long it takes me just stay in the water for multiple hours. And I ramp that up. I'll do six miles one week then seven, then eight then nine. Mm-hmm. And then about two weeks before the big event, I'll taper it down. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, that's kind of my training regime. And you know, now, like I said, early on, I was all solo. Now I get to go down to Hammond Asset and swim with Marcy and Liz and they're, oh my God, you guys know that. I mean, they're, they're fast. You know, they, when they want to be, they can just cruise forever. And so I find my, I'm on the upper ends of my limits, just trying to stay with them, but I try to, cause it's just good training. <laughs> yeah. That sounds fun. Fun to have people to train with like that. It's awesome. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> um, what about, um, is there anything that you've learned about yourself through your marathon swimming? Oh, I think I've used it in life uh, a lot. Um, being goal oriented, put, you know, uh, putting your eye on a goal, naming it, and then knowing what work you need to do to have it happen, uh, knowing that you're going to have um, hurdles along the way, things aren't always going to go your way. So I, you know, I think it's given me a resilience and it's, you know, there's, my company has done whole seminars on resilience and I think it just kind of comes natural to our sport that you just mm-hmm. become good at that. Um, like even COVID, I think, you know, it's bothered a lot of people more than it has me. And I, I just take it in stride that this is you know, the reality and we'll, we'll get through it. But yeah, mm-hmm. so I think it's really resilience. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's also team. Point. It's also teamwork. Um, I was cocky when I was 22 and, I literally did my swim was a little faster than the other Villanova guy. And, and I'm embarrassed to say this, but I saw him like a year later and I kind of was like, yeah, my time was faster than yours. Mm-hmm. And then I came to quickly realize like um, someone was just saying in one of your recent ones is that, you know, nobody gets the same day on these events. Yeah. So you can't compare unless like, I guess, unless you have a head to head race, you can't <laughs> compare. And, and then even it gets more like, who cares? Right. Um, I really am to the point now. I just want to get to the other side and walk up onto land. You know, um, so, and, you know, so swimming with others and appreciation of your crew. Um, I've had, you know, wonderful people on my boat that have kept me going. And uh, so, yeah. That's awesome. What about, so when you were 22, I mean, what, there was there ever any point that you were just like, oh, this is unbearable or like did the wanting to quit? Did you ever have to fight through any of that kind of emotional stuff? Yeah. And it's funny. Like I said, my longest training swim. Oh, that's kind of funny story. So I was supposed to do two long training swims and prep for the, uh, the channel in my head. I had a 10 miler and a 15 miler. The 15 miler never happened because I got a, a flu bug and didn't oh. end up doing it. So the longest training swim I did was 10 miles, but it, it was the local orthodontist in town had a boat. So we went down the Connecticut shore and we were going to, we mapped out this thing out from um, Groton Long Point out to around Fisher's Island. And so I haven't, you know, he's not an experienced swimming pilot. He's a honest <laughs> with a boat. And um, we didn't look at the, I guess the news. So I swam my 10 mile swim in Long Island Sound the day they retired the Nautilus submarine. So the Nautilus submarine is coming in for its farewell cruise into the, into the Groton uh, sub base wow. and every pleasure boat on Long Island Sound 
is out <laughs> to see this. This is not good when you're trying to swim out there because people are flying. And so when you're swimming along and you see an orthodontist jumping up and down like a madman, waving at boats to try to wave them away from you, it's a little, a little, a little nerve wracking. Um, was that the question? What was the question? <laughs> <laughs> well, I just was trying to get to the, um, well, even just like as a new swimmer or new. Oh yeah. 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 So like um, just the mental aspect so, of it. So the longest swim I did was at 10 mile. I can't remember, but 10, I, at the time I used to swim two and three quarter miles an hour. So I probably, you know, did that in you know five, four and a half hours or something like that. Um, so when I got to the channel, um, like I said, I was halfway across in four hours. So I was swimming fine. And the, and the rough waters didn't really start happening until hour six, seven, eight, mm. but at hour five, um, I stopped and I, I literally looked up at the boat. I said, I can't do this. And my, my, um, little wonderful English observer, Molly Gill says, you're doing fine. Keep going. I put my head down. I'll never forget. I mean, I swam like 10 more strokes and I stopped. I lift my goggles up. I'm like, no, I'm, I can't do this. I'm done. And Mike Oram, who I guess in the time was in his thirties with this humongous, like fisherman's beard opened up a porthole of his boat, stuck it out and said, you're doing fine. Keep going. And it is just amazing how, you know, just an, I mean, an English, you know, boat captain, he just has, has so much clout that hit just those words. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> put my head down and, and continue on really never had another mental problem again. But, uh, yeah. and then, you know, later on found out that marathon runners or whoever, I guess there's a, you know, there's the wall. Mm-hmm. That I guess usually happens somewhere around five hours where your body's using up different stores of fluid, you know, whatever. Yeah. So I probably hit the wall. Um, but that was the one time I, I didn't think I was going to make it. Even with, by the way, when it got really rough, it was more like rollers. I, fi- I don't know about you guys. I find, um, you know, a two foot chop going down the Hudson River way harder than a huge rollers. Uh, rollers are fun. You know, you're going up and you're going down. I don't like being on the boat for that because the boat's corkscrewing, but in the water, I'm fine with it. So I was like enjoying that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I, I, I didn't mind that at all. Yeah. Yeah. Did your, um, just thinking back to your mom and your siblings all being there in the beginning, did they ever get to help support you or crew for you or anything <laughs> after that? So good, good story. I don't know if you know, Tim Johnson, he's an old person in the sport. He actually was not a swimmer. He um, did the navigation and the timing of the Manhattan swim for years. So he was a boater who knew when the tides and when you should go. Cause you, if you swim around Manhattan the wrong time, you're not going to make it. Right. Yep. So he, he um, decided to, to have a swim go across Long Island sound from the point of Long Island to Rhode Island in 93. And I attempted that. Um, and I've had two do not finishes in my or actually three, but two of my own, of my own problems. And one was Catalina and one was this 93 swim across Long Island Sound. And what I have in common, which is kind of fascinating, in both those swims, three weeks before the swim, I was in car accidents where the car was totaled. Oh my God. And um, so one of the reasons I think I didn't make Catalina is I, my, um, I was having vertigo because I think I still had loose crystals in my ear. Oh, jeez. And I didn't, make it across, I didn't make it across Long Island Sound in 93 for the same reason. Wow. My car was total. I found out after the swim that I had some bleeding in my lungs, so I shouldn't have been in the water. Oh my but the gosh. reason I bring that up is I did a solo that day. My wife and family, which is kind of cool, did a six-person relay. So my oh, fun. four siblings, my wife and her brother did a relay across Long Island Sound. Um, I always wanted my, I have six siblings that all swam. I wanted to do a channel swim relay, but they weren't up for it. But anyway, <laughs> so the, my, my crew for that swim, and again, I think I might have been able to make that swim. If I had the right crew, my crew was my mother and I was like 30 something years old with a young family. And, you know, when I got out of the water, she's like, I'm glad you got out. You shouldn't be doing this. You're too old. You have a family. This is too dangerous. You know, she was not the right person to have, not your mom. Like She sees you struggling and she's like, oh, honey, come on out. <laughs> so, but uh, for the channel swim, um, they, they got to, you know, like I said, a helicopter flew me back to, to town. Um, they were on the, they were on, it was the lead story on every news station in Connecticut. The, and the night I did it, um, my mom's, you know, the, the phone call from me from England is, on, you know, I have tapes of all this really cool footage of, um, I guess it was a really slow summer for the news. Um, so they got, you know, they got to really enjoy it. And, yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. 
that's that's still that's fun. That's back when it was a novelty to complete the English channel. That's right. right. Well, you know, I think was it um I was um the guy that kind of keeps all the records on the channel, if I recall, it was like 2018 or so. There was a couple of years back, I think there was like 150 successful swims, you know. And when I swam it, there there had only been 270 in history. Oh, right. You know what yeah, I mean? And now there's yeah. like hundred people could do it one summer. Yeah, uh, it's crazy. And I get it. I mean, I think it's it's training. I mean, yeah. it's you know the fact that you can go on the internet and get books and videos yeah. and everything you need. There's um, the the world's gotten smaller and and to be quite honest, I think wealthier. More yeah. and more people have the financial ability to go do this than, than back then. The and then the then the baby boomers, I think, um, staying healthy and staying active. And so you know. I find fascinating about our sport is I think the average age is what probably 42 instead of 22. Right. Yeah. But because it's when people are starting to like their kids are starting to get a little older and they have more free time and, yeah. and they have the finance, then they have the financial resources to do some of this stuff. And yeah, you know, yeah. And it's, I mean, like you'd said, it's an, it's an iconic swim. So it's, it's a hard one to just be like, ah, I don't, I won't do that one. I mean, <laughs> it's right. hard to do as John knows. And I don't, like just trying to get there, get the window, you know, logistically, you know, booking years out, but, um, but it's still an iconic swim. <laughs> hey, I mean, you think about it, like I was saying, I mean, basically there was no um, qualifying. When I went, I'd never swam in an open water swim. It's crazy. And I went to swim in the channel. <laughs> now, um, you know, Again, I'm not putting down the race committee at the time. That was just the way it was back then. Um, now, I think the whole sport has become much more safety conscious. Yeah, right, yeah. Um, the year I swam around Manhattan, like I said, I was an hour and a half by myself. There was a guy named Chris Green from England who literally was <laughs> he was a head case. He got in a fight with his pilot, and his pilot left him halfway through the swim. And Chris Green <laughs> swam the rest of the 28 miles, 14 miles of the swim, with no pilot boat swimming from boat to boat, begging for feeds. <laughs> and, oh, and it was allowed. Wow. Wow. It wasn't like some yeah. race director came flying over and said, oh, no, we got to pull you. You don't have a yeah. boat. <laughs> um, yeah, well, I'm sorry. I'm trying to remember the gentleman who got left by his kayaker out in the middle of the um, Sea of Galilee. I mean. Uh, oh, Stuart, Stuart Hacker. Hacker. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and that's fascinating. And, and one thing I learned even just two summers ago, I was doing a, um, a nine hour swim just in my local lake which is three miles around but i was doing it early may and i'd lost a bunch of weight and i wanted to get a nine mile swim in the water i think it was like 51 and uh at the far end of the lake from my stuff and the car i went hypothermic mm. I, I, they, I had to get out and luckily it was kind of a sunny day they got me out and they put me up on a dock and i was doing the thing like you were a kid like trying to keep moving onto the warm spot <laughs> but it really struck me that because i had my sister in a kayak a kayaker does you absolutely no good if you're in trouble. Let's face right. it. A kayaker yeah. is great for feeds and maybe hang, hang on to the boat, but they, they could not have gotten me the length of that lake back to my stuff and the warm clothes and the cars. Yeah. So luckily, you know, this lake has tons of houses and I climbed out and the people who lived in the house helped me out, put me in their car and drove me back. But it really made strike me that if you're going to do a training swim lake that's long and, you know, you, you really almost have to have a power boat at least – you know, on call. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a good, that's a good point. Good safety point. Um, how's the pandemic been for you? You mentioned your resilience has helped you get through, but. <laughs> well, last summer, um, I used to swam a ton in the lake and, um, I can, if I stay acclimated, I can swim down into like 51, 52 degree water for two miles, um, pretty, you know, successfully. I don't like it. People are like, Oh, you're the guy that likes the cold water. No, I don't like it. <laughs> I don't mind swimming in warm water. It's just that I can do it. Yeah. So I was able to swim right into November at my local lake. And I, for years and years also was a wetsuit snob. Like you, you never wear a wetsuit. Um, I was at a race once in the eighties and, um, I literally saw this conversation between an 80 year old swimmer and a 70 year old swimmer. The seven-year-old had a um, a wetsuit on. The eighty-year-old didn't, and the and the uh, eighty-year-old said to seven-year-old, "You know, why are you wearing a wetsuit?" He goes, "Well, it's because the water's cold." And the eighty-year-old looks at the guy and he goes, uh, "What's the you know what's what's the initials for wetsuit?" And the guy goes, "What do you mean?" He goes, "What are the initials?" And he goes, uh, "WS." And, he, and the eighty-year-old goes, "Sound that out." It's wuss. <laughs> <laughs> and it just struck me that this eighty-year-old guy, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Is telling a seven-year-old guy that wearing a wetsuit is wussy. Now, I've totally 
changed my thinking because I come to realize that there's a lot of people out there that just don't have the body fat or the ability to do this sport unless they can wear a wetsuit. And I think they should wear one then. And, uh, no, but for the most part, I've really never, you know, worn one. Matter of fact, I did the Casco Bay swim run, which is five miles of swimming and 20 miles of running. Mm-hmm. And I think Elaine tried that in uh, Kelly the year before I did it. And, um, I had the same problem as them. Yeah. The water is like 55 degrees, but it's like 75 degrees outside and you got to run in a wetsuit. <laughs> so I'm looking at the race director going, you're afraid of people dying of hypothermia. How about hypothermia? You got this old fat guy that's going <laughs> to pass out in this wetsuit running. Yeah, I have no problem yeah. swimming in this stuff. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Um, oh, man. I just got to write down my questions when they come to me because there was something you said and I was like, oh. Um, uh, what motivates you to keep going? Um, staying, just staying active. Um, yeah, there's not that there's no you can ego stay active in. without swimming marathons. So why do you keep swimming marathons? Yeah, there's all this <laughs> thought out here that you should like, to, you know, you shouldn't be working on your ego. You know, I mean, really, you should try to avoid your ego. But we all have egos and I have an ego. And, it, you know, what really bothers me is when I talk about my swimming and someone goes, well, what are you doing next? Or do you have anything else planned? And you're like, it's like weird. Like, if I don't have anything else planned, I feel a little bit like a failure. Like, no, no, I got to have another adventure. And, you know, and again, a lot of folks that I know don't do this stuff. And, I swear to God, they kind of live vicariously through some of us that do and mm. they get excited about it. And, you know, for like the Swim Across the Sound is a fundraiser. You know, I send 200 letters out to my clients and say, I'm doing this fundraiser and this big swim. And they, they're totally excited about it. They want to know how the swim went. And mm-hmm. so I think there's always just having, I, I've said in the past that and this is a bad thing to say, but I find just regular life boring. I mean, if I, I don't think I could just work nine to five, come home, have my beer, I love my dad to death, but that was his life, you know, have a beer, you know, watch Charlie's angels, you know, whatever, you know, and go to bed, you know, and I, 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 you know, do a little bowling, maybe a little golf, but I, I need to have adventure in my life. And this is what does it for me. And I have done some running and type adventures and cycling type adventures. Um, but as my body's to be blunt, breaking down, my knees are kind of going, I have a bad back. I've always had a bad back, which you, you can swim with, but you know, so I think a lot of that's going by the wayside and really I'll be able to just swim the rest of my life. But as you know, you can swim the rest of your life. Exactly. You, you can. And you keep having people in the sport that like are 10 years older than you and keeping at it. A friend of mine, Doug Comstock here in Connecticut attempted the channel a couple of years ago at age, I think he was 62. Now, again, I feel bad for Doug. He didn't make it. He got pulled a mile from shore. Uh-oh. So he's uh, kind of bummed about it. I'm like, Doug, you swam 13 and a half hours. I've never swam 13 and a half hours. <laughs> You know, but I keep saying to Doug, cause he keeps aspiring to do this stuff. Um, I'm like, every year you do one of these, that's me one more year. I'm going to have to do it. So you got to <laughs> stop one of these days. So I know when I get to stop you too, John Gale, you got to stop. <laughs> yeah. The, um, the 65 long- yesterday. There you go. Happy Happy birthday. Birthday. <laughs> you know, yeah. I and actually you know what saved me about COVID too, is for the past 10 years. I've done on my birthday at the pool, I've done an IM for every year I've, I'm alive. So on my 50, I did it on my 50th birthday, I had 50, um, one, um, you know, 100 IMs. And uh, so this year I was going to have to do 58, 100 IMs and COVID <laughs> wouldn't let me. So I was like, oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to swim a mile for every year I was, or at, yeah, <laughs> my 45th wow. year, I swam of 21 miles and then 25 miles, which was yeah. six. But anyway, <laughs> there you go. Won't go into that. Um, what advice would you give to an aspiring marathon swimmer? Well, again, do, do your research, um, you know, do the Lori King approach and, you know, break it down, do it over a bunch of years and enjoy it. You know, I've even seen this said about triathlons. I've read stuff about at one point I thought I wanted to do a full Ironman and people like, you know, people go and try to do a full Ironman all at once. So why would you do that? You know, get into the sport, do some smaller triathlons, then go it. And I would say that about swimming too. Um, immerse yourself in the, in the community, um, find your pod. And I, you know, I have my Connecticut pod now and I'm, you know, I did my ice mile up in Boston. So I feel like kind of an honorary Boston pod person. Uh, and then, you know, up in Vermont, that's such a great crew uh, up, up there. Um, so I think that that's a, a big piece of it is find, find people. And then, you know, I'd never done it till two years ago, but, um, these swim camps like doing the, and I know you want to do one. 
Mm-hmm. Um, Cork do. Distance Week was fabulous. I mean, yeah. to meet 50 swimmers from all around the world that I'm now on Facebook with. And by the way, I'll, I'll say this, you know, because of politics, you know, I really wanted to get off Facebook last in the last couple of years. <laughs> yeah. It's, but it's the swimming community. It's our swimming community. I know. I don't know how else to have it. <laughs> without I, Facebook. I've, I've unfriended tons of people, but I don't unfriend any of the swimmers, you know, <laughs> yeah. um, cause that's, that's the, 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 the conduit to all of them. So exactly. Yep, yeah. I'm so. with you. What marathon swimmers inspired you? Well, it's funny again, what, you know, back in the, the channel days, no one, I'm because I didn't know anybody. Um, now, I mean, Marcy McDonald and Liz Fry, um, really just, you know, they just keep going. And, and I think they, they inspire me a lot. Um, yeah, I was around when Marcy had her first failed double and I had heard through the grapevine. She was kind of bummed about it. I wrote her a letter and I said, you realize that you made it one length of the English channel, which was my life's dream. That was your <laughs> failure. It was my life's dream. So let's put this in perspective, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, folks like that, you know, that just, that just keep at it. And it doesn't, like we said, it doesn't have to be the faster ones. It's just the ones that, that keep at the swims. Yeah. 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 That's amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing community as we've, I mean, it's funny to me, like how, well, just how that's this, just the theme throughout all this is like, everybody just loves the community and it's so exciting to be able to, well, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be reaching out to you for in search. I'm like, you know, all the lowdown on that swim. Yeah. Yeah. Have Charlotte be your crew, man. She was outstanding. <laughs> well, I'm excited if you, have, if you have Charlotte, I am sorry about some of the food items you get. Uh, oh my gosh. <laughs> it was amazing. The sad part is that I didn't actually have my feeds like dialed in. Everyone talks about having your feeds dialed <laughs> in. I'm not a dialed in kind of girl. <laughs> Just like I, I, I'm not either. A matter of fact, Catalina requires you to have a, a feed plan that you actually give to them. <clears throat> And, um, which I get, I'll, I mean, I'll give them one, yeah. but I don't know yeah. if I'll stick with it. Exactly. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Give them a feed plan and then bring an extra bag of snacks. <laughs> and I, I kind of still, and I I'm working on this because a lot like Ned Dennis and a lot of folks really feel you should be taking a feed every half hour. But if I'm having stomach issues, I, you know, when I did the channel every hour, and when I do my training in my lake, I do two hour, uh, two mile loops, which take me an hour. Right. So I'm feeding every hour. Right. So I don't know if I'm going to feed more than once an hour. We'll see to each their own. That's right. (laughs) Thank you so much for reaching out and for sharing your story, Marty. It's so wonderful. It's been my pleasure. I hope you enjoyed today's interview. More than just a podcast, did you know that you can watch Marathon Swim Stories on YouTube? Or join us. We meet on Tuesdays at 5.30 a.m. Pacific, 8.30 a.m. Eastern, 1330 GMT. Check out intrepidwater.com forward slash marathon swim stories to see who's up next. Thank you for listening.